Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing, to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. Hey, Keith. It's so nice to see you. I know it's been about a week. I'm kind of curious. How was your 4th of July? Oh, 4th of July was pretty low-key. I've been a little under the weather, but I'm surviving. My kids were in a parade and in downtown Tustin and with their band. And then they went to a party. So I just stayed at home and comforted my dog during the fireworks. Nice. uh, Did you have to give it doggy Prozac? No, I just just pet him and he had, he hid under my bed. Oh, poor thing. How about about your dogs? How did they fare? You know, we actually had a really good 4th of July weekend. We stayed home. We made lots of food that we normally do not eat because we do fast, you know, daily for about 20 hours and um, we super healthy, low carb meals. So it was nice to have a 4th of July where we could eat pretty much anything we wanted. And we had fireworks. Our dogs did amazing, but we did get in a little bit of trouble from our neighbors because we were letting off fireworks too close to their house, I guess. I don't think it was that close, but. Oh, you have a Karen neighbor, huh? (laughs) Definitely a Karen neighbor with a dog that needed Prozac, I guess, because he, he told us that his dog was extremely terrified of our fireworks, but you know, it was like 20 feet from our house and all five of our dogs were just fine. Well, your dogs are just studs, I guess. I guess. <laughs> so, so it's been a it's been a big week and for our country with the Supreme Court rulings. We had a ruling on affirmative action, and and today we want to talk about the Supreme Court ruling on student loans and and what student loans are going to be looking like going forward. So, looking forward to having that conversation with you today, Crystal. Likewise, I'm really curious to learn uh, more about it and kind of to learn more about, you know, what got you into the student loan business. Yeah. So just for our listeners, just so you all know, I am your esteemed guest today. We do not have another guest. It'll just be Crystal and I talking about the student loan world. So giddy up, get ready, and and, uh, you're going to get some valuable tips on student loans, on whether or not you're a borrower, this may impact you. So we hope that you will enjoy what we have to share today. 
Welcome, Keith. Thank you for being our guest presenter. <laughs> oh, always, always. So the student loan uh, cancellations proposed by the Biden administration through his executive order has been shot down. It is dead. It will not rise. Uh, and so President Biden's attempt to cancel ten dollars to $20,000 of billions of dollars in student loans has, will not happen. Uh, there's a lot of different feelings out there, but I want to clear up one misconception here. The Supreme Court ruling has nothing to do about whether canceling loans is fair, the right fiscal policy, or anything of that nature. It has to do with standing. Is President Biden allowed to cancel student loans? Is he? Supreme Court says no. I mean, the, the, the president does not have fiscal decision to make fiscal decisions of that nature. He can ask Congress to do it, but that is an act of Congress. And Congress has made it quite clear that they are not interested in, in canceling student loans. Now, you know, you got the Elizabeth Warrens out there and, and the Chuck Schumers, but nobody really pays attention to them. At least I don't. Um, so, you know, I want to I want to clear up that misconception it has nothing to do with fairness or policy, but just standing. But there are a lot of things that we do need to know about student loans moving forward. Like what? Well, I mean, with student loans, we under the CARES Act provision in 2020, they put in a pause on interest and payments on student loans. So only 1% of borrowers have made a payment on their student loans in over three years. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the, it's, it's unfortunate because what has happened is you've had three years of prime opportunity to have every dollar you've, they pay to go, go towards paying off that balance, meaning you wouldn't have to pay any interest. It's a zero, it was a 0% loan, but, but now things are changing. Uh, earlier uh, this summer, there was the de debt ceiling negotiations between the Republicans and the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling. And the Republicans, for better or worse, had uh, negotiated to raise the debt ceiling but what the Democrats had to give the Republicans was that they were going to have to start requiring student loan borrowers to make payments on their loans. There's been eight extensions, and I'm here to tell you it will not be extended again. This is over. This is not a drill. This is not a test. Borrowers will have to start making their payments beginning in October of this year. And in September, interest will start accumulating again on your loans. So you have a, so you have a few more months to make interest-free payments. Wow, that's that's crazy that they postponed it and extended it for three years, and then they're starting it right when the interest-free payments are over. 
But, you know, all of this is great. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience? Yeah, I mean, I'm the president of a financial advisory firm for those who haven't listened to us before. Uh, and I, I cut my teeth in financial planning uh, originally in pastoral ministry, but more importantly, when I worked for the state of Pennsylvania uh, in what was at one time known as Fed Loan, which was a at one time the largest federal student loan servicer in the country. So it was there I learned about things like income-driven repayment, public service loan forgiveness, teach grant, other repayment forgiveness programs. And so today, as the president of a financial advisory firm, I'm working with borrowers who have high income and a high student loan balance to help them figure out what is the best repayment or forgiveness strategy for them. Uh, I've talked to over a thousand student loan borrowers. I'm published on this topic. I've written for a number of periodicals. I've even written uh, an ebook. And to be honest with you, I'm so well known in the financial advisory committee as a student loan expert. I have financial advisors coming to me on a regular basis, asking for my uh, insight and proficiency uh, into their uh, clients uh, who, who have student loans and they actually bring their clients to me. Impressive history in the uh, student loan services sector, Keith. I cannot wait to learn more about this. So tell us more. Well, I mean, this morning I talked to a doctor in Las Vegas uh, he's a hospitalist, makes very good money, uh, but he has a student loan balance of 500000 You know, the average student loan balance for an undergraduate, uh, you know, graduate uh, with an undergrad is about $40,000, and the average pay is about $350. You know, and when you start talking to folks who have graduate or advanced degrees, those balances just keep going up and up and up. I've talked to many ministers um, who I have a lot of empathy for. You know, they're, I've, I've talked to ministers with eighty to $100,000 in student loans, you know, stemming from both undergrad and graduate school. Uh, and so there are a lot of different moving parts. Tax, student loans and taxes are kind of alike these days. And that the programs and options for student loans and taxes and handling your taxes are, are just so complex. There's a lot of moving parts. Things are always changing and, and there's a lot of, of apathy and misunderstanding and confusion. And, you know, we pay, most of us pay someone to do our taxes because it's too confusing. And now uh, more and more people are looking for proficient, expert, experienced advice in student loan consulting problem is that there's so many bad actors out there, you know, anywhere from third-party document preparation consolidation companies that all they really do is prepare your paperwork. You know, even the student loan servicers have been fraught with numerous lawsuits because of the way that they have handled these federal programs. They've just not fulfilled their obligation to inform the borrower of their options. And to be honest with you, the student loan servicers are not qualified to provide holistic advice that is tailored to each individual circumstance. There's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration with student loans. Everything from employment aspirations, family planning, you know, like 
marriage, children, um, income, uh, you know, uh, tax planning. There's a lot of different moving parts. And so borrowers who have questions on student loans really need to work with someone who understands both student loans and financial planning methods to take a holistic picture to understand what the best strategy is for them to either repay loans or to receive forgiveness. Okay, that's good to know. So what are the best, best strategies? How do you figure that out? Well, it, it really is gonna depend on, on number one employer. You know, is your employer a, a government, a public service entity? Are you a teacher? Do you work for the government? Uh, or do you work for a nonprofit such as United Way or even uh, a church? Pastors are eligible for forgiveness programs like public service loan forgiveness. Now, pastors, because a lot of our listeners are pastors or people who work full time in churches, that wasn't always the case. You could be the secretary of the church and receive public service loan forgiveness, but you couldn't be the pastor. Well, that actually has now changed. And I have helped several pastors receive student loan forgiveness through the public service loan forgiveness program. So if you're going to work for a public service or, or nonprofit entity, you know, that may be uh, the best option for you. If you're in the medical profession and you're working for a nonprofit hospital as a W-2 employee, the public service loan forgiveness may be the best program. If you're in the medical community and you're serving an underserved population, like a low-income population, or in a certain part of the country where there's a doctor shortage, you also may be able to receive uh, some level of forgiveness. Uh, if you're working for in a for-profit business or you're a business owner or not anyway, a government or nonprofit employee, your best option is most likely going to be uh, of just paying off the loan. Now, the question is, you know, what, what repayment program works best for me? Is it income-driven repayment? Is it the standard repayment? Is it graduated or extended payment? Uh, is it refinancing? There are a lot of different questions that really need to be answered. And if you do the wrong thing, you may not be able to reverse that decision and go back to another option. So it's really worthwhile to get a full picture of your student loan goals, you know, whether it's repayment or forgiveness and having a clear path forward. There's a lot of options and, you know, with you being a financial planner and well-educated in student loans that you are able to look at it in a holistic view. Um, so what other mistakes have borrowers made? Look, so this is what's happened with the majority of borrowers. Like I said earlier, most borrowers haven't paid a thing, haven't paid a penny, haven't paid a dollar on their student loans in over three years. We can't fix that. You know, you have a couple more months if you have a large stack of cash sitting around that you don't know what to do with it and you have some student loans maybe paying it off. But at this point, that ship is almost sailed. It's not quite out of the harbor, but run time is running out. So some of the things that people really need to get a handle on is understanding their loans. They don't know what kind of loans they have. They don't know where they're uh, being serviced. 
They don't even know what the balances are. They don't know what their interest rates are. They don't know what their minimum payment are going to be, is going to be. So that's really the first thing that, that people need to do. If you wait until October, you may find yourself in a world of hurry and a world of worry because what has happened is, and I'm not saying that our listeners have done this, but I know that a lot of Americans have bought bigger houses. They've bought more expensive cars. They've done all kinds of things. And if they don't make room in their budget for this payment, they may be in a situation where they're going to be start accumulating credit card debt or, or having other financial troubles. Student loans cannot be liquidated through bankruptcy. In almost every circumstance, it is extremely difficult to do that. This loan will follow you for the rest of your life if you don't handle it accordingly. The second thing that I would say, and we've talked a lot about this already, is not understanding your repayment options. Figure it out now. The third thing I would say is not taking advantage of the tax incentives in your student loan planning. You know, for individuals, uh, if you're not going to be able to <coughs> do your taxes so that you're getting the student loan interest deduction, which is one of the only interest deductions that you could take, um, even if you don't itemize your deductions, you're losing out. Uh, if you're a business owner uh, or an employer, you could possibly receive a tax deduction as a business expense by paying up to $5,000 or so of your employees' student loans. It's a tax-free benefit for them. You can require some sort of service requirement, and it's a tax-free benefit for them, and it's a tax deduction for you. So those are kind of some of the things that I would really encourage people to consider um, benefiting from. And if not, then you may miss out on some of those opportunities. What are you offering to our listeners, Keith? So I hope that I've established at this point that I know what I'm talking about student loans. I really didn't prepare for this podcast. I just kind of showed up. I hope I'm looking okay, at least. Um, at least my hair's done all right. Um, right, Crystal? Right, exactly. Yeah, my yeah, it's nice and shiny. Uh, so what I'm offering uh, all our, our podcast listeners and anyone who would be interested is a webinar about half an hour long. Uh, I'm going to post the link in the show notes and it's on my YouTube channel, which is Faith and Money. Uh, and I'm going to give student loan tips for handling your loans in 2023. Uh, it's a free webinar. There's no cost to receive it. You can watch it on your own time. It's pre-recorded. Uh, and I'm going to have a special offer to provide cons consulting for any interested persons uh, who would like a follow-up and an analysis of their own situation for their own student loans. Wonderful. So you're telling me that's the best way to get a hold of you if, if they watch this podcast or they listen to this podcast and they say, we want to contact Keith now. How do they go about that? Well, you can always go to my website, which is True Legacy F as in Frank, P as in Paul, dot com. Uh, and there's a link there to uh, contact me and, and you can schedule a, a 15 minute introductory phone call. 
And so if Wonderful. you watch the, if you watch the web, webinar and, and you want to have a phone call, uh, or if you just want to go ahead and, and move forward and, and ask me about what I'm offering and for a consultation, you're welcome to schedule a call. But I would recommend that you watch the webinar because uh, it's going to give you a lot of valuable uh, information that will help you uh, even without a consultation. Wonderful. And then what's, the, what's your best phone number? Uh, 949-438-0397. Wonderful. And then are you also on LinkedIn? Oh, I sure am every day. Okay, wonderful. Under Keith Connolly, C-O-N-L-E-Y. Thank you, Keith, so much for your time. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for spelling my name right. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we hope that this podcast was helpful to you. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money Podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.